All right, Wrestling With Theology fans, it is time for digging deeper this week, digging into the Psalms this week, Psalms 35 and 36. And these two Psalms seem to be quite different, but it is as John sees in Revelation where you have God sitting on the throne and he looks crimson on one side, clear as light on the other, as both righteous and angry, but also righteous and holy. And this is where we get this, is we have Psalm 35 coming out as a request for God to come out as the vengeful warrior and righteous judge. And then 36, asking for God's precious steadfast love. So we have both sides here as we look at these two psalms together. So let's look at Psalm 35 of David. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and rise for my help. Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind, with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery, with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. For without cause they hid their net for me. Without cause they dug a pit for my life. Let destruction come upon him when he does not know it. And let the net that he hid ensnare him. Let him fall into it, to his destruction. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his salvation. All my bones shall say, O Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him, the poor and needy from him who robs him? Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me of things that I do not know. They repay me evil for good. My soul is bereft. But I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my chest. I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my brother. As one who laments his mother, I bowed down in mourning. But at my stumbling, they rejoiced and gathered. They gathered again, together against me. Wretches whom I did not know tore at me without ceasing. Like profane mockers at a feast, they gnash at me with their teeth. How long, O Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their destruction, my precious life from the lions. I will thank you in the great congregation. In the mighty throng, I will praise you. Let not those rejoice over me who are wrongfully my foes, and let not those wink the eye who hate me without cause. For they do not speak peace, but against those who are quiet in the land, they devise words of deceit. They open wide their mouths against me. They say, Aha, aha, our eyes have seen it. You have seen, O Lord. Be not silent. O Lord, be not far from me. Awake and rouse yourself for my vindication, for my cause, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord my God, according to your righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, Aha, our hearts desire. Let them not say, We have swallowed him up. Let them be put to shame and disappointed altogether who rejoice at my calamity. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves against me. Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, Great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Then my tongue shall tell of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. All right, so far Psalm 35, a lengthy psalm, which begs the question, why am I doing two together if one is this long? That's because 37 is even longer. So then if I did 36 by itself, it would be very short. So 
What do we have in Psalm 35? First of all, this is a prayer for God to rise up to fight against our enemies. Those who are by right our enemies and those who by no right are our enemies. Those who hate us without cause. And we see this over and over again throughout this psalm. Especially those who wrongfully mistreat David for no reason other than him being David. So we go on into verses 4 through 6 again. And this shows the definite imprecatory nature of some psalms. Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed. Let them be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. Why is the angel of the Lord pursuing them? To destroy them. And that is what David is seeking in this psalm. He is seeking for God to rise up and destroy all that are enemies of David, which we can take as any believer in Christ and be asking for God to deliver us, to destroy those who seek to destroy us. And so he gives some examples of what is going on. Verse 11, malicious or violent witnesses have risen against me. And of course, this brings us to Jesus and his passion, especially from Mark 14. We'll look at this starting in verse 53. And they led Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. And Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We have heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet even about this, their testimony did not agree. We have the great struggle of the Jewish leaders trying to find Something in order to be able to bring Jesus to Pilate and to have him executed as an enemy of the state. Because they had no rights to execute anyone of their own. Even though their own law said he should be put to death according to their interpretation. Because he was making himself God and the son of God. He was saying things that should not be said by mere mortals. But again, Jesus was not a mere mortal. And some of them knew that exactly. There is question as to whether Nicodemus is in this meeting. There is question as to whether Joseph of Arimathea is in this meeting. Both of them being secret disciples of Jesus, but also being part of the Sanhedrin, part of the council. We don't know if they were there. Just like we don't know if Judas was at the Last Supper or not, receiving the institution of the Lord's Supper. But we have this desire for malicious and violent witnesses to come up against Jesus, come up against any of the righteous, saying anything that will make them look bad in front of everyone else, that will get them to be able to be quiet and not speak the truth. And David says, I don't know what their problem is with me. Verse 13, he says, But I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my chest. I went about as I grieved for my friend or my brother 
as one who laments his mother. Even though they are enemies, even though they are strangers, David still mourned for them. And this is what the problem is. David is very familiar with grieving over enemies and causing mourning to happen. He does it for Saul in 2 Samuel chapter 1. He does it for his rebellious son Absalom. He does it for all of his enemies because he does not want to see their death. He wants to see them, like Jesus, to repent and to be brought back into the fold of God. And this is what Jesus says when he is coming into Jerusalem in Holy Week. Matthew 23, verses 37 and 38. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now this is already after Palm Sunday. This is already after you do hear the pilgrims say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But what is Jesus talking about? Jesus is pointing towards the future, pointing to you and me. That we, as we come together receiving the Lord's Supper, we do join with the song of the angels from Isaiah 6, but also with the pilgrims on Palm Sunday. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We say it, and this is where we find our vindication. This is where we find God's righteousness. That even while we are still his enemies, he is coming for us. Not to destroy us, not to cause us harm or danger, but to bring us back into his fold. And this is the vindication that David wants as he goes through this psalm. He wants vindication through God's righteousness. And what is God's righteousness? God's righteousness is that greatness of him and his steadfast love that brings about repentance and restoration and reconciliation for those who would be his enemies, for those who want nothing to do with him. As Paul says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still his enemies, Jesus laid down his life for us. This is the vindication of God. This is his great steadfast love, as we see as we move into Psalm 36. To the choir master of David, the servant of the Lord. Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. 
For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. O continue your steadfast love to those who know you, and your righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of arrogance come upon me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the evildoers lie fallen. They are thrust down, unable to rise. So far, Psalm 36. Sin causes there to be no fear in the eyes of the sinner. This is what we call the hardness of heart. This is what we call a heart that is hardened like stone. That Ezekiel talks about God taking away our heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh in chapter 36. Move on to chapter 47, and we have the fountain of life being shown to us. The river that flows from the throne of God. We see this also in Revelation, but it is most eloquently illustrated in Ezekiel 47, which I do use on many Good Fridays as my sermon text to talk about this river that flows from the temple that starts out as a little trickle, as it is the trickle from the side that was pierced where the blood and water flowed out. But then, it, as it goes further and further away from the temple, it gets deeper and wider. So in a little bit, it's ankle deep. A little bit, it's knee deep. A little bit later, it's chest deep. A little bit later, it is a swirling current just rushing through that threatens to sweep everything away. And that is that little trickle of God's precious, steadfast love that starts out as that little trickle coming out from the skin being poked by the lance of the Roman soldier to prove that he was dead. But as it goes further and further away from Calvary, the more and more it covers, the more and deeper and richer it gets, the more the current flows. Not a current to sweep you away for destruction, the current of salvation. Because from there, it goes in both directions down the hill of Mount Calvary, covering the Old Testament saints, the New Testament saints, and all the way up to us and to the end of time, covering all of us in the precious blood that comes from him, that was shed by him on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. This is where our heart is softened. This is where that heart of stone is taken out and the heart of flesh is put back in. That we have this, not because of ourselves, not because we performed open heart surgery on ourselves, but God has done it, not with scalpel, but with blood and water. The water of baptism mixed with the blood that is there because of the word of God in and with the water, giving us the forgiveness of sins. And this is what causes us to feast on the abundance of God's house. Because again, we have that blood once again in the wine of Holy Communion. We have Jesus' own body broken on the cross, given to us in the bread of Holy Communion, giving us the forgiveness of sins, showing us in a concrete way God's precious, steadfast love. And so he concludes the psalm saying, continue your steadfast love to those who know you. 
and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Continue to show your righteousness. Continue to show your steadfast love. Because without it, we do not know how we would survive. Therefore, David can also say in Psalm 23 at the end, Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That abundance of that dwelling in the house of the Lord, that feasting with Christ is what we look forward to in heaven. That is what we strive to see in our own congregations today. We seek to have that partially seen in our worship. That as we come together with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven to laud and magnify God's holy name, we come together with not just those sitting in the pews around us, we come together with all those around the world who are in the congregation at that time in worship, whether it's at that exact same moment or in time of that morning or any part of that day, because his love is poured out. His spirit is present to all who come together to worship him throughout all time. Therefore, we can rejoice that he has given us his great steadfast love. That even though the malicious and violent witnesses may come up against us, we have the word of truth on our side. We have one who will also fight for us so that we might be seen as the victors, not the victims. All right, that's all for this week. I encourage you to continue listening to the Digging Deeper as we go through the Psalms. Listen to the Confessional Corner as we get ready to finish up this month the fifth article on love and the fulfilling of the law as we continue to talk about what love really is and what it means for us, from God, and for us to our neighbors. And we continue on with the moments of meditation and the sermons and everything else that is brought to you in this podcast. I don't give it out to you because I think it's so spectacular. This is simply my humble way of equipping you so that you may wrestle with the theology around you this week. Amen.